Bibles, and I hope you do. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1, 28 through 56. We're looking at the life song of Mary. Mary's life song magnified the Lord and not herself. That's the theme of this series. Mary's life song magnified the Lord and not herself. And so we want to plug ourselves into her story and realize that our life song should magnify the Lord and not ourselves. We don't venerate Mary. That's what the Roman Catholic Church, Orthodox churches, they, they, they know better than to worship a person. So they say, we don't worship, we venerate. But the Bible doesn't teach us to venerate Mary as an equal to the Lord. Rather, we are to imitate Mary and her faith in exalting the Lord, in magnifying this passage, as you see in your notes, this passage in Luke chapter 1, 28, or 26 through 56, is coming down in three parts. And we've looked last week at the Annunciation, and we saw that the way Mary magnified the Lord was by the Father's amazing grace, by grace through faith, that's what we're going to model. And we model it in our daily walk. She was just an ordinary person, ordinary uh, believer in the coming Messiah. And by grace through faith, God chose her for a great privilege of being the, the mother of the incarnate Son of God. This, today, we're going to look at the visitation, which is in verses 39 through uh, 45, 39 through 45. So let's take a look at this and let's begin in verse 26 again so we can see the annunciation, the announcement, and moving into the visitation. Let's look at that. Let's read it together there, following your Bibles. Now, in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy as an old, barren woman who is now six-month pregnant. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was what? Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, one who has been given grace. The Lord is with you. But she was perplexed at this statement and kept pondering, now what kind of greeting this was? What kind of salutation? And the angel said to her, well, here's the kind it is. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God twice. This is the essence of this section of the announcement, grace from God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, Yahshua. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. This is going to be a truly human and a truly divine Son of God, Son of David. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? We're going to see in today's lesson Something that I learned this week, as many times as I've read this passage, taught this passage, I better understand why she asked this question. And I'll just tell you right now. She understood what was said to be 
It's going to immediately happen. You are going to conceive. You are going to bear the son. And so the logical question, if this is happening, if this is happening like right now, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child, unique and set apart, unlike any other human being and yet just like a human being, that child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, here's a sign for you. Here's something to reinforce your faith. Even your relative, Elizabeth, has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren with no hope is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. So that's all the grace of God. Now comes the faith of Mary's response. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Now, at this time, at what time? Right after the announcement, right after the angel departs, now at this time, Mary arose, and how did she go? She went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias. Hey, Zacharias, I'm not really greeting you. I'm going, I'm here to see one person, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, that is the future John the Baptist, the and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out, she literally shouted with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? question begs the question, how does she know Mary is pregnant? How does she know that? Well, we've been given the clue to that answer already, and we'll see that today. Behold, when the sound of your greeting, repeated twice now, reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Well, you know, this is an amazing story. And this section that we're looking at, we're going to be looking at verses 39 through 45, is often overlooked because it's either included with the announcement or it's included with Mary's song. But what a story. A virgin teen, a virgin teen has conceived an old barren woman is six months pregnant, and an unborn baby all meet in a house. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, doesn't it? But it's not a bad joke. These three individuals come together in a way that will magnify the Lord. And in, that, in what they do, you and I are going to learn how we can magnify the Lord like they did in this passage. So let's take a look at it. Uh, I have there on the table, for those of you interested, I'm comparing the Annunciation and the Visitation. And so we're going to make six observations about, okay, how do these passages, because they're connected, and yet they're similar, and yet they're, 
dissimilar. And so you can look at this. Next week I'll add the third passage to that, but you can take that. But let's make six observations. The first thing I want you to see in what we just read is this. Greetings of good news trigger both passages. Greetings of good news. If you notice, this whole section begins in verse 26 with who is greeting who? In the, uh, in the uh, enunciation, who is greeting who? The, tell me. The angel Gabriel to Mary. Now, in this passage this morning, in verse 39 and 40, who is greeting who? Mary is greeting Elizabeth. Here's what I want you to see because it, it overwhelms. This, this passage is all about the good news of the gospel being fulfilled through the incarnation. It's interesting. Both the angel and Mary are bringing good news, but Mary is literally bearing good news in her womb. Do you see what I did there, Randy? Yeah. Yeah, that's the point. That's what we're supposed to see. Second observation. Gabriel's greeting is by grace alone, while Mary's greeting is through faith alone. So the angel greets by God's grace. We said last week that grace is divine initiative. God is in heaven and he says, I have granted grace to Mary. You, Gabriel, go down. And by grace, I want you to announce this to Mary. But Mary's greeting to Elizabeth is all due to her faith in what God has promised. So when she goes, it's a demonstration of her faith. She shows her faith in word and deed. We said last week, she believes in her heart. She confesses with her mouth. But look again at verse 39. She runs with her feet. Faith without works is dead. Faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. She shows her faith while her feet run approximately 80 to 100 miles, a two to three day trip to southern hill country of Judea, south of Jerusalem, all the way from Nazareth in the north. I'm not saying she ran. She probably rode with a caravan, uh, hitched a ride, but we're talking about a great distance. She proves her faith by being quick to hear what God promised, quick to obey from the heart. I mean, the angel says, look, I'm going to do this. Mary says, I believe it. The angel says, by the way, here's a sign. Your relative, you know, the southerner down south, she's already six months pregnant. And Mary says, hitch up the donkey and let's go. Because I am quick to hear, quick to obey. I believe it. And she has nothing, nothing, nothing to base her faith on except everything. The word of God. She doesn't know. She doesn't see. She, she doesn't know. She doesn't know that Elizabeth is pregnant. How does she know that? God said it. How does she know she's going to conceive? She doesn't know. God said it. Listen, she is acting on the word of God alone. And folks, when we have the word of God, we have enough to put our faith in. Okay? Third observation. We know the content of Gabriel's greeting 
but only the consequences of Mary's greeting. This is interesting. So both passages are triggered by a greeting. One is heavenly and angelic and is a message of grace. It's God's word and promise. Mary's greeting is not recorded. Now, it's significant because as soon as she enters the house, remember, Zacharias was unbelieving of the message from Gabriel. He is mute. She enters his house, but she greets Elizabeth. But we don't know what she said. But the moment she greets Elizabeth, it triggers John in the womb, leaping with joy, Elizabeth filled with the Spirit, and everything comes from that. Now, why do we not know what she said? Because the point is this. The, the point is not a message of grace from Mary. She's not full of grace and running around imparting grace like in Roman Catholicism or Orthodoxy. It's not about a message of grace. It's about the Messiah in the presence of the Lord in her womb. So I have in your notes before in the previous passage, the focus is on the message from the Lord to Mary. Now the focus is on the Messiah who is the Lord in Mary. The miracle of the incarnation has occurred. Mary is bearing good news. And the good news is the incarnate Son of God. And therefore, number four, the fourth observation I want to make is the presence of the Lord in Mary's womb is the focus of everything in this passage. The presence of the Lord in Mary's womb. Let me sum up this whole passage in a sense, this lesson in this way. Jesus is in the house. Okay? I've kind of become enamored following Elvis on YouTube. So Gwen catches me listening to Elvis songs on YouTube. And so literally they would say, Elvis has left the building. Okay? And everybody be sad and go home. Well, Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus is in the house, people jump, they shout, and they sing in this passage. That's the focus. And yet, understand this. Jesus is not, he's there physically. He's not there as a, a grown human being. He is there, literally, in what our culture would call an embryo, a fertilized egg implanted on the wall of a woman's womb. And yet... His person, his personhood is there and his person is there and Jesus is in the house. Everything goes from that. So let's look at it. Two things. The second Mary hears, uh, the second Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting in verses 40 and 41. So you can look at it there in your Bible. Two things happen. First of all, John, the six month old unborn baby, leaps for joy. Now, if, if uh, you have been graced as a woman to be able to bear a child, then you know, you know, there's movement in there. But this is a leap. This is a leap of joy. John's leaping is beginning his prophetic ministry of pointing to Jesus. So you got what our culture calls an embryo, and you've got what our culture calls a fetus, because an embryo, embryo 
according to our culture, is from zero to eight weeks. And from eight weeks to birth, it's merely called an embryo. So you've got a fetus and an embryo interacting. Why? Because the Bible calls both of those things babies. Can I get an amen? This is why what we pray for, for resource health, this is why this is so important, okay? You can't get all of your un- worldview. you got to get your worldview from the Bible, not our culture. This is huge. You say, Chris, how do you know he's filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, turn back to 115. Look at 115. Luke assumes we have been reading his story from beginning to end. So when he, we read chapter 2 which there were no chapters originally, he assumes we've read chapter 1 and look at 115. Here's the prophecy of the angel Gabriel, the same angel. And he says this in verse 15, For he, that is John the Baptist, will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And so when you come over here and he leaps for joy, it's because the Holy Spirit has filled what is called in our culture a fetus by the Holy Spirit. John is already fulfilling his unique ministry of pointing people to Jesus due to the Holy Spirit. The second thing that happens, the moment Mary says it, it reaches Elizabeth's ear, John kicks And Elizabeth, the barren old pregnant mother, shouts for joy by the filling of the Spirit. She is explicitly said to be filled with the Spirit. So here's the thing. The triggering of these things is fascinating. Mary enters. She greets Elizabeth. The sound of her greeting hits Elizabeth's ears. She feels John leap for joy in her womb, and she is instantaneously filled with the Holy Spirit and lets loose a prophetic shout of joy. And it's a loud shout. You'd say, well, if you were a woman and all that was going on in your body, you'd be shouting too. No, this is due to the Holy Spirit. This is a phenomenal announcement. And, and so what's the, what do you take away? Jesus is in the house. So you jump for joy like John and you shout for joy like Elizabeth. By the way, that's why we're here this morning because Jesus is in the house and we're here to leap and to shout. And we always saw Carmen leap on one leg, you know, okay. We're going to see Mahomes leap around, hopefully on two legs. But we're here to celebrate something greater than all that. Amen? Something greater. And no one will be shouting louder tonight than me. But we need to be shouting here. Shouting for joy. Number five. Elizabeth shouts a threefold blessing of what God has done and is doing. Now, we're not going to study these in depth. Here they are. They're in verses 42 and 45. What she is shouting are these things. She's shouting for joy. Blessed is Mary among all women. She's chosen by God's grace among all women for this honor. Secondly, blessed is the fruit of the womb. The reason you've been given grace, the reason you're blessed, is because 
Who is in your womb? You've conceived by the Holy Spirit while still a virgin. It is the Son of God. Jesus is in the womb, and that means Jesus is in the house. And then third, blessed is she who believed God keeps his promises. Mary surrendered. She didn't just give a verbal profession of faith. She gave a submission of faith, which every saving faith, true faith, is that. True faith is not giving lip service to the Word of God. True faith is submitting to the God of the Word. Now, we see all this. And here's what I want you to see. Is I believe, on the basis of what's happening in this story, that Mary has already conceived. We're not told when. We're told how. The the Most High will overshadow. The Holy Spirit will be there. And that which is within you will be the Holy Child, Son of God. But I believe she has conceived and therefore is bearing Jesus right there into the house. And as I said earlier, this explains. Mary, I think, understood. Now, this is how I interpret this passage. She understood when the angel came and gave that announcement. She understood this is going to happen immediately. And the only way she knew babies were produced was by a man and a woman. How is this going to work? I'm a virgin. And then uh, the, the angel explains. It's supernatural. The Holy Spirit. And so she has conceived and she is bearing the Christ child right there. Now, in, uh, at the end of this where it says she believed God keeps his promises. There's two ways that you can interpret that. You can interpret it as she who believes God will keep his promises, his promise concerning the incarnation, which would imply it hadn't happened yet. Therefore, all this is happening, and, and Jesus is not in her womb yet. But you can also translate it, blessed is she who believed God has kept his promise, And it has already happened. And for the reasons I'm presenting to you, I think that's the case. She believed it, and by faith it occurred, by grace through faith. And Elizabeth, via the Holy Spirit, is recognizing this has happened. What a blessing and what an amazing event. That brings us to the sixth observation. Mary, Elizabeth, and John are all spirit-filled witnesses to the joy of knowing Jesus. They are all spirit-filled witnesses. If you could write one, if I could write one phrase over this passage, spirit-filled witnesses to Jesus, John, Elizabeth, and Mary, and yet Jesus has just been conceived. We don't know you know, when. Was it on the trip? Was it at the moment that she departed? We don't know. That's not what we're to focus on. What we are to focus on is on what our culture calls a baby, calls a baby in the womb an embryo from conception to eight weeks. The Bible calls a baby. What our culture calls a fetus from eight weeks to birth. You don't, you're, you're in our culture, you are not, technically called a human being until you are born. Well, that's just not how the Bible looks at it. A baby is a baby in the womb, according to the Bible, 
and calls them baby with the same word that the Bible designates a baby out of the womb. And so here I I gave you a handout fitting that we're praying for heat resource health. Uh, Here's a handout that you can read later and look at that talks a little bit about that. Uh, And there's so many questions here. Okay, and, and I really am going to do in, in, the, in, in the future here, in the near future, a whole lesson on uh, looking at the sanctity of life, but looking at these kind of passages where, which raise all sorts of questions. But the focus is that Jesus is in the house. Now, all three of these individuals have something to teach us this morning about how to magnify the Lord. So let's look at that. Let's look. How do we magnify the Lord? We magnify the Lord with your witness by the Spirit's daily filling. Last week, we magnify Him by our walk by the Father's amazing grace. This week, we want to look at, we magnify Him not by our, just our walk, but our talk. Not just our walk, but our witness, not just by receiving the Father's amazing grace, but by being filled with the Holy Spirit to magnify Him to others. Let's learn how to do it. Number one, the Spirit enables us to witness for the Lord. The Spirit enables us to witness for the Lord. We see this in this passage. I want you to notice who is witnessing to Jesus in this passage. Who is witnessing to Jesus in this passage? If we had time, I would have you identify who is it. Well, first of all, the first person to witness to Jesus. Who's the first person to witness to Jesus in this passage? John the Baptist. Because Elizabeth hears, but John does what? He leaps. He's He's saying, whoa, Jesus is in the house. Leap for joy. Jump for joy. Who's the second person to witness in this passage to Jesus? Elizabeth, who is instantly filled with the Spirit and says, Whoa, the fruit of your womb is the Son of God. Okay? Who then is the third person? Now, this person, you've got to understand, we're going to look more at it next week because she witnesses through her song, called in Latin the Magnificat, and that comes up next as well. And every one of them is filled with the Spirit. John we know from Luke 1.15. Elizabeth we know from verse 41. You say, where does it say Mary is filled with the Spirit? It doesn't. But he knows we're going to keep reading. And every other song, the first Christmas carols, every other song, Simeon is filled with the Spirit, it says. Uh, uh, Zacharias is filled with the Spirit. In the context of this passage, we can be assured that one of the most famous songs in all of Christian history, it too was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So who gets to witness a six-month unborn child? an old lady who is barren and yet pregnant, and a teen, virgin, pregnant person. Here's what I would write across that. Who gets to witness? Everyone. Everyone gets to witness. 
John especially is here witnessing as the forerunner. John was born to point to Jesus. Well, let me give you good news this morning. If you're here, you were born again to be witnesses. It doesn't matter if you're single, married, single again, young, old, male, female. It doesn't matter. If you are born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you are to be a witness. We all get to be witnesses. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. And we could go on into Acts chapter 2, but I just want you to see Acts chapter 1. Pick it up in verse 6. Jesus has resurrected. In Luke-Acts, by the way, it's one book with two parts. And so Luke is still writing. And Jesus has been resurrected. And he's resurrected, but he hasn't ascended. There's 40 days between there. And all he's talked about is the kingdom. And so when he's about ready to leave, the disciples say, at the end of this time of teaching on the kingdom, when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Notice, after 40 days of teaching of the kingdom by the risen Lord, the disciples say, is now the time that you're going to restore a literal, physical kingdom to Israel? And Jesus' response is what? He doesn't say, you idiots. I've been telling you for 40 days, the kingdom is going to be spiritual. It's already arrived. Don't be worrying about Israel. Israel's been replaced by the church. He doesn't say any of those things. What he says is, it is not for you to know. It's going to happen, but you don't get to know when, which the Father is fixed by his own authority. But instead of worrying about when Israel is going to be restored to the kingdom, I want you to focus on this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And then just like us, they listen to him, and he goes up and he ascends, because basically he told them, this is what you do. Between now and the coming of the kingdom, which I will restore to Israel, and it will cover the earth, between that time, you focus on the Great Commission. And so he goes up, and they just stand there looking. Wow. Just stand there looking. And the angels, and I love it in the old King James, why stand ye gazing? <laughs> why are you? Get busy. Get busy. Start witnessing. But wait, wait. Before you start, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens in Acts 2. The Spirit comes down. Jesus goes up. The Spirit comes down. And when He comes down, what do they begin to do? The 120 nucleus of the church, they begin witnessing, praising God and prophesying. It's amazing. Listen, Acts chapter 4, if we had time, I'd take you there. The church gathers. Peter and John are being persecuted. They've been beaten and released from jail. They come to the church and the church realizes what an honor it is to witness and be persecuted because our, our Savior 
witnessed and was persecuted and crucified in our place. And so they have a prayer meeting and they say, Lord, give us the boldness. Give us the faithfulness. Make us bold in our witnessing. And the spirit comes down. It shakes the building they're in. And it says they boldly witnessed to the Lord. That's what it means. That's how you magnify the Lord. Listen, we don't magnify the Lord with closed lips. We magnify the Lord with a walk and a talk. In the Holy Spirit, listen, if the Spirit is in you, you, you are a witness. The question is whether you're a good one or a bad one. The Holy Spirit enables us to be a good one. And folks, that takes the pressure. This isn't a, an application of guilt. This is an application of joy because, listen, listen, witnessing is not a burden we share, we bear. Witnessing is a joy we share. It's not a burden we bear. Oh, I got to, you know, got to go to school today and witness. Got to go to church. Got to go to work today and witness. Oh, I got to witness to my neighbors. What a burden that I bear. I'll bear my cross for the Lord. No, it's a joy that we share because God's at work in us. And that's the second way that we magnify the Lord. The Spirit enables us to rejoice in the Lord. He enables us to rejoice in the Lord. This passage is filled with joy. I want you to notice how much joy is in Elizabeth's home. All because Jesus is in the house because he's in the womb. Notice, John leaps for joy. Elizabeth shouts for joy. And in the rest of the passage, we'll see next week, Mary sings for joy. Jesus is in the house. Let's jump. Let's shout. Let's sing. And it all, it's not manufactured. We don't put a happy face on and say, praise the Lord anyway. This week, our nation, we can lament injustice, violence, and what takes place all around. We can lament a fallen world, and we ought to. But in that lament, there is joy that is greater than our circumstances because God is working His purposes in a fallen world. Maybe this last week you were crushed by something. Maybe this Maybe it's not just last week. Maybe for the past years you have been bearing a burden that threatens to rob your joy. But if you are born again this morning, the Spirit is working joy in you in spite of circumstances that if you will align yourself with the Holy Spirit and by faith submit yourself to His will and word and ways, there will be a joy that comes even in the weeping. Has anybody been there? Has anybody been there where you have sung our worship songs, rejoicing in the Lord, yet weeping? Joy so, you know, Jesus is in the house. I guess my question is, is Jesus in your heart this morning? Because if Jesus is in your heart this morning and mine, we should be leaping. 
We should be shouting. We should be singing. That's, that's why we're here this morning. We're going to go upstairs. Now, you, now, you know, if some, one of you starts leaping around, running around the pews, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe you can blame it on this lesson. Uh, I will not be joining you, okay? That's, that's, you know, but you know what? Again, what's the level of your enthusiasm going to be tonight, assuming we win? And see, that's the thing about the world. It, it, we may lose. Okay? It goes up now. No, Esther, we don't, we don't think it's going to happen. We didn't, we, it may. But listen, when you're rejoicing in the unshakable kingdom, your joy doesn't need to waver. It is always there. Now, joy is the second characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. It's there. The Spirit produces it. And it's a big theme in the book of Luke-Acts. I would encourage you to take a concordance. And now with your Bible, with uh, digital Bibles and digital Bible study tools, I would ask you to plug in and look at all the times joy, gladness, and rejoicing shows up in the book of Luke-Acts. And it is amazing. It begins at the incarnation, it continues through his resurrection, and it continues after his ascension, and it continues while we are on mission for God. It is all over. Now, we have witnessing for the Lord, we have rejoicing in the Lord. There's a final truth I want you to look at in these passages, and we'll look at it again next week, and it's this. The Spirit enables us to worship the Lord as the triune God. He enables us. The Spirit's, the Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and His job is to focus on the second person of the Trinity, and His role is to focus on the first person of the Trinity. And what you see in these passages is that the Spirit enables us to worship the Lord as the triune God. So let's take a look at how this works. Who works in this passage? The triune God. The Spirit reveals to us the triune God who is fulfilling His plan of redemption. The Trinity is all over the the Bible, and it's especially revealed in the New Testament. It's just that we miss it a lot. So let's take a look at this. Let's see how the triune God is at work in the Annunciation. Notice the triune God. Look at verse 35. Just one verse. Verse 35, you see Father, Son, and Spirit. So look at there in your Bible and notice this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He's the agent who works redemption. The Most High will overshadow you. That is the Father who is the architect, the designer of our redemption. And the Holy Child will be called the Son of God who accomplishes God's redemption. You have the agent, the architect, and the one who accomplishes the work. It's all there. The Trinity is fulfilling God's redemptive plan. Notice in the visitation, it's spread out a little bit more. Notice in verse 41, the Holy Spirit fills John and Elizabeth. 
But he does it to reveal, secondly, the Lord who is the fruit of his womb. So the Holy Spirit fills, but he reveals. That's how Mary knew. How did Mary know that, I mean, I'm sorry. How did Elizabeth know Mary was pregnant? Just days. Just days. The Holy Spirit revealed Jesus is in the womb. How did John in Elizabeth's womb know that Jesus was in Mary's womb, therefore he leaps with joy? It's the Holy Spirit who points to the Son of God. And the Lord is the, fr- is the fruit of Mary's womb because, verse 45, the Father has fulfilled that which He promised to Mary. Do, are you seeing this? Listen, folks, whether it's the work of redemption or our daily witness, it's the triune God who does it through you for His glory for your joy, and for the good of others. Listen, the more we got to get our focus off of us, we've got to get our focus off of the fear of man, and we got to get our focus on the triune God, whose spirit is working through us, producing a joy that bubbles up that can't be contained. You say, well, I'm just not that joyful, Chris. Two questions. Two questions. Are you born again? I'm just not that joyful. Are you born again? Oh, don't you question my salvation. I, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm asking. I'm just asking. Are you assured? Are you secure and sure in your salvation? You say, yes, yes, yes. I'm just not that joyful. Then let me ask you. Are you being led by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Because born-again people have the Spirit. They submit by grace through faith to the Word of God, the triune God who's at work in me. And that joy comes out and I sing and I shout and I act on it to share with others the joy that is in me. And that I want them to experience. And so the last point I want you to see this morning is this. Our witness is the overflow of worshiping the triune God with great joy. Our witness is the overflow. Chris, I'm not that joyful. Then let me ask you, do you worship him? Not just weekly, but daily. Because here's the thing. Daily worship prepares you for weekly worship. If you haven't opened your Bible this past week, if you haven't surrendered to the Holy Spirit to lead and control you, you are ill-prepared this morning. But the good news is, weekly worship fuels us and fills us for daily worship and daily witness. It's, it's, It's a cycle. If you're truly weekly worshiping, it flows into your daily witnessing. And if you're daily worshiping, it 
fills you and prepares you for weekly worship. That's why the doxology says this, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Look at Ephesians 5, and we'll end reading this. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. It ties together last week, walking, and it ties together this week, witnessing and worshiping. Look at Ephesians 5.15. Paul says this to the church at Ephesus and the church of LifeBridge. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You've got to be in the word. And do not get drunk with wine, the spirits and the pleasures of this world, for that's dissipation. It, it just wastes away. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And here's what flows out. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. It begins in the heart. It flows out the mouth. It influences our walk and it celebrates our worship. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the Spirit of God, we have the Son of God, and we give thanks in the name of the Son of God to God, even the Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You want to make much of Jesus this week? Walk by the Father's grace, be filled by the Spirit, and you will make much of Jesus like Mary did. Is that just the coolest thing? And all of this is going to erupt next week in one of the greatest praise songs that flowed from the Spirit out of the heart of Mary unto the Father, and we will complete this series next week. This week, let's witness. And I tell you this, if the Chiefs win, you're going to witness about it this week. If the Chiefs lose, you're going to witness about it this week. But today, we're celebrating something far greater, far more victorious, far more reliable than the Chiefs or any other event in this world. Let's witness about him this week. Amen? Let's do it. Father, we come, and by your Spirit, we ask that you would help us magnify your Son this week. Lord, we know that talking about the womb and talking about embryos and fetuses and babies, and it leads to maybe an abortion in our past, maybe a miscarriage or multiple miscarriages, and all of that, Lord, brings abiding sadness. But when we read a passage like this and know that you are at work, that you can be trusted to be a just judge and a merciful Savior, that we can focus not on our loss, though we lament it and grieve it, 
we can focus even more on our Lord and our Savior and His grace, His mercy, and the love, and the joy, and the peace, and the long-suffering, the goodness, the kindness, the self-control that all comes with being filled by the fruit of your Spirit. Lord, may us in this class have open lips and a bold witness this week. May we make much of you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.